Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Gamerpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bradford Carlton. Today, I have a very special guest for us. I have Lev Fizitsky. Hey there, Lev. How's it going? How you doing? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's a beautiful sunny day in Las Vegas over here. How about yourself? Uh, it's a little bit dark here in Tennessee. Weather's been weird the last couple few weeks, but that's, <laughs> that's just how it goes here in Tennessee, I guess. I, I was right over in the Mideast, or the Midwest or Ohio myself. I'm originally from California and I accidentally every now and then call the Midwest of the United States, the Mideast, because, you know, anything east of the Mississippi yeah. is like, it's just. <laughs> I had to get used to it. I'm, I'm originally from New York. I had moved here uh, about a decade ago. I, I still have the same exact habit. Anything on the other side of New York, I consider the West. Right. <laughs> all the way as far, coast to coast, essentially. Pretty much. That's how it used to be seen too. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, Lev, I want to get right into this. Why don't you go ahead and just begin by telling us a little bit about yourself, please? Um, not a whole lot, honestly. Uh, father of two, uh, working man, play games in my downtime. It's actually one of the very, not the very few things, I guess, but one of the many things that my wife and I have in common is we both have a shared love of video games. We both grew up with it. Uh, both of my kids are actually almost starting on it now. They're seven and four. And both of them pretty much grew up watching me play. So now they want to try and emulate dad. Um, that, that's really pretty much it. There's not a whole lot. Uh, trying to dip my foot into the whole streaming thing. Not for any monetary reasons or anything. Just because I enjoy communicating with people. And at a very young age, it was always hard for me to be social and with the rise in technology and everything else it's become more and more easier to connect with people who have similar interests as you do for sure all right so i am going to want to get into the working man part of you uh, what you do since that's what my show is about um mm -hmm. but before we get there i ask every guest a single question to start so i'm going to ask you just like i ask everybody else a scale of one to ten ten being high how weird are you lev definitely a hard seven not, total, not completely extreme as a 10, but just personal tastes. Um, I come from the Republic of Georgia over in, uh, on the Asian continent. And I when I you came to America, I'm sure there are people out there who are like, every time. Ah, Republic of Georgia, I understand. Yeah, <laughs> every time. <laughs> but when I came here, it was a big culture shock. And so I had initially forgot everything and then pretty much started from scratch and that really led to having a deeper appreciation for almost everything as far as music or movies books so i was always the odd one who just had random bits of information just ready to go at any conversation and growing up that was definitely one of the things that i guess my friends liked the most about me was that i could just talk about anything for an indefinite amount of time so I'm a little concerned that your your definition of weird basically define yourself as intelligent and therefore you are weird. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. It's 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 more a case of, and this is something I had to teach myself a long time ago. Is it's a, it's a matter of what you know versus how much you know. Absolutely, that that is so absolutely true. 100% agree with you. Okay, so this is the Gamerpreneur Podcast. Before we get into the working man side of it, why don't you go ahead and tell me about your, uh, your gamer cred. When did you first start playing games? I actually didn't start playing until I was about 
seven or eight. I had very little exposure to media before we actually came to America. I was a very ad books kind of person. And when my family came over here and I was exposed to all things entertainment, it was eye-opening. So I initially started out on a Sega Genesis, very, very old school, Battletoads, Sonic the Hedgehog. I remember having the, the Sonic and Knuckles cartridges that you would essentially just slide in. And, and then it eventually slowly graduated as more things came out. Most of my friends went the PlayStation route, and I was one of the very few that went the Nintendo 64 route. And I've just been hooked ever since. All right. I try and stay on top of everything, and I've been playing for basically as long as I can remember. I love it. So what do you play now? Right now, I'm mostly playing on the PC. Okay, what games do you play? What are you playing? uh, I'm an avid World of Warcraft player. Okay, Horde or Alliance? Horde. Horde, Okay. Always. Although I play both just because I have friends on on both sides. So I play the game for the people rather than, you know, fashion solidarity. Um, I've dabbled in a little bit of Call of Duty Modern Warfare, uh, Destiny 2, and whatever else I can get my hands on that'll at least keep me as entertained. Wonderful. So you've been playing for a few years now. You've had Mm -hmm. kind of, you say old school, but (laughs) it's not that old. (laughs) It's it's not. So um, you had an opportunity to play a good number of games, it sounds like. If you had to pick one, it's your absolute all-time favorite. Which one is it? Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Ah, that was such a good one. It was, that was, I can remember that was the first game that actually made me think in general, more than just enjoying time in front of a TV, pressing buttons. It was a game that I really connected to the story, the platforming and the puzzles. And it really had me think about how I'm going to go about and do things. All right. Okay. So let's hop on over to that preneur part. Um, Lev, can you kind of just go and give me your professional background? How did you get to where you're at today? I am a distribution center lead. It mostly just came about as needing to provide for my family. I've spent, I've essentially worked in almost all the fields you could think of. I've been a mechanic. I've worked in the healthcare industry, um, hospitality and everything else. And I I just ended up in this position because when I moved out of New York, the logistical field was what is most available in Tennessee. And so that was the first thing I got into. And I've worked at a number of warehouses since and used whatever experience I had to pretty much move up and get to where I'm at now. Okay. Now, what exactly does a distribution center lead do? I oversee um, the actual movement of product throughout the warehouse as far as product that's going out to fulfillment centers and product that's coming back from customers whether it's returns, exchanges, or if they have any issues, then I'm typically their point of contact to get it resolved. Okay. So you're the point of contact for the customers. How about internally? How much, do you have any control over internally, the or is it just logistics? I don't mean just logistics, but I mean. Internally, I deal with all the departments in the warehouse, shipping, receiving, uh, finance and billing, and um the drivers, our contractors that we deal with, the supply management, all that. 
Okay, wonderful. And so you've worked your way up to this position. How long did it take you? About two years. It took about two years. That was mainly because uh, whenever I would transition from one company to another, I would always typically start at the bottom and then show the company what I was capable of, and they would put me in a position that fit it. The position I worked at prior to this one was an inventory associate for a uh, car parts manufacturer. Prior to that, I was uh, I also worked in a warehouse that dealt with lighting equipment. And so leadership has been a part of every single one of those roles. And eventually, once you work at one place, you take the experience, you move on to the next one, and you find more and more opportunities to move on. Wonderful. I want to talk about leadership because, you know, it's one of those difficult qualities to develop, right? Because you have to be put into a positional leadership in order to really get any experience being any type of leader. What are some skills or qualities you think a good leader needs? Patience, I think is the number one thing. And realizing that not everyone will have the same standards as you is probably the second one. Um, it's okay to have high standards, but it's as a lead or if you're in a position of power, you have to understand that you have to help other people get to your standards because not everyone has the same mentality or the same work ethic as you might. And it's your responsibility as their lead to help them get to that uh, set of standards that you set for yourself. That's a fantastic point. Do you have any suggestions on tactics to use? Because I'm assuming you're not yelling at your, no. your crew. I, I actively try not to. There have been plenty of uh, cases where it's very easy to get frustrated because you know the standards you have for yourself. So I think the best advice is to just have a clear line of communication between you and your employees. That I think that is the most important thing is if you are able to tell someone why they need to be doing something a certain way without it coming off in a condescending manner, they're much more likely to respond positively than they are to be apprehensive about it. Okay, wonderful. Now, what is it like being in a position where you're kind of like leading them, but you're also under upper management still? It's definitely strange. It, it is. Um, I have to constantly remind myself what my boundaries are as far as how far up the chain of command I can go in making certain decisions. If I feel like it oversteps my position, I essentially have to take it to the next person up. But if I feel like this is something I can handle, this is something that's a part of my responsibilities, I typically just take care of it in whatever way I see fit. I love it. Now, I have worked with individuals kind of in this middle management position before. And one of the biggest issues I've seen, and I'm going to ask you about it, is that sometimes you want to reach higher to be able to answer the problem, but the higher ups aren't budging. And it, it creates this, this internal conflict in, in the middle manager where they feel like something should be done, but nothing's getting done. And they, they bring all the stress onto themselves. That's something that you feel sometimes. When I first got into this position, absolutely. Okay. And how did you get uh, over that? Because that's like one of those things that so many people have trouble with. The easiest way I found to deal with it is to just stick to my responsibilities. 
stop caring. Honestly, <laughs> essentially, as as rough as that might sound, absolutely. Partly because, in order to be able to resolve those kind of conflicts, you typically have to get to the position that your your supervisors are in, and when you're at that point you would use those past experiences to make sure that you're able to deal with it in a better way than they were before you. But up until you get to that point, you typically have to just own up to the fact that you've done everything you could. And if upper management doesn't want to handle it, then it's not really something that should weigh on your conscience. I, I deeply appreciate that answer. Thank you, Lev. All right. I know a couple of people I'm going to be referring to watching this episode just for that advice. <laughs> appreciate it. All right. So, Lev, in the past two years, you, you essentially started at the ground floor, so to speak, and you've, you've gotten yourself up to this middle management position. What skills or qualities do you have that you possess other than leadership? Cause we already talked about that, that we're able to get you there. Cause you know, so many people don't rise up, right? Like they, they, you, a lot of people probably started roughly the same time you did and they're still there. I think the most important one is an attention to detail. And I think that's really universal across any type of field that you work in. Having an attention to detail lets you pinpoint either problems or solutions at a much faster pace than without it. If you're able to notice what the issue might be or what could potentially cause an issue, you'd be able to pretty much go around any of those problems a lot faster than somebody else might. Beautiful. Okay. So you've been working in factories for a few years now, you said, or mm-hmm. in, in warehouses and logistics, uh, but this position for two years. So I'm going to say, if you could go back, we'll say seven years, Lev, or Lev, if you can go back seven years and you could talk to little Lev seven years ago and you go, Hey man, this is everything that's going to happen to you over the next seven years. But here's the one thing you need to know. What do you tell yourself? Don't be complacent. That's probably the most important part. And the reason why is when I first came here, I worked for a company and I pretty much hit the plateau very quickly on as far as how far I could go in that company. And I ended up settling for about three, four years. And it was probably the most miserable thing I've ever had to go through simply because you know, you can do better, but you're just stuck in a rut to where you feel like maybe I can't, maybe I could have done this different. I might as well, I've been here this long already. I might as well stick it out a little bit more. I'll stay here another two weeks. And then that eventually turns into, I'll stay here another six months which then translates to I'll be here for another five years. And I think that's one of the biggest issues that people seem to face is they get too comfortable where they're at. And then that comfortability ends up breeding a sense of fear of change to where they think that they might not be able to make it. So I think it's very important to realize that you have to know what you're capable of and never be complacent where you're at. You always have to strive for something. Absolutely. I deeply appreciate that answer, Lev, because yes, a lot of people go through that. What was it for you that changed? Like, how were you able to break out of that mold? It was actually my wife. Um, Right before I actually started with that company, I had met my wife and we started dating and then we eventually moved in together. And she has supported me in almost every single endeavor I've ever taken, whether it's changing careers, changing jobs, going for higher positions, 
but I kept telling her the same thing. Oh, something's going to give. I'll be able to make it. I have a couple of things lined up. And then eventually it got to the point where about four or five years into our relationship, she said, you don't, you're not happy going into work anymore. You don't smile. You don't talk about work like you used to. Why don't you just find something else? And that opened up a conversation of, is it the job itself or is it the company that I'm working for? Because I feel like both of those are really intertwined as far as being able to actually enjoy what you do. If you work for a company that values you as an employee and appreciates you, you're going to have a much better time moving up than in a place that simply pays good just to get by or you think that something else might come up. Absolutely. That's, thank you so much for that advice. Okay, so I, hopefully I haven't already got you to answer this one, but I, I always ask my guests, um, you see, I, I believe that we learn the most from our failures in life. It's when we get smacked in the face and we realize we got smacked in the face, knocked down, we got to pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off, figure out what happened, and then move forward past it. So if, you, if I may, what do you consider your biggest failure in life and what did you learn from it? I think my biggest failure is probably giving up on my actual passion for gaming. And uh, what I mean by that is at a very young age, I've always wanted to go into the video game industry in some way, shape, or form. I, when I was actually younger, my mother got me a subscription to Nintendo Power, and I thought it was great. These people would play video games all day and then write these amazing articles. And that was something that I, I always wanted to do. And that's one of the things that really bred my love for gaming was this idea that these people actually play video games and then turn it into a critique or an explanation of why this game is so good or potentially why it's also pretty bad as a form of feedback to other people. And Unfortunately, as I got older, I started listening to what other people expected of me. And so that pretty much ended up deviating me from what I actually wanted to do. So I think that's probably my biggest failure. One thing I learned from that is to always go for what you think is right. Nobody else can tell you what you are good at or what you might be good at except for yourself. Fantastic. All right. Thank you for sharing that, Love. Now, what is something that you're working to improve on in yourself today? More patience. You can never have enough of that, honestly, especially in some of the, uh, in the field that I work in, dealing with different workers and departments, dealing with customers. Patience, I think, goes a very long way. And it's certainly something that you can apply in all parts of your life, whether it's your family, work, your business, everything. I think this, a close second to that is to always keep learning. Regardless, if you're always learning something, then I don't really consider it to be wasting your time at all. Beautiful. All right, Lev, this has been a wonderful interview. How do people reach out to you if they want to contact you? Where, where would they find you on social or, or anywhere else? Uh, you can actually find me at on Facebook. I have a, a streaming page set up for my downtime just to connect with a couple of my friends and some other followers that I have. Uh, it is Lev the Casualist, which is a, a little moniker that I came up with. And it's over on Facebook.
It's the fastest way to reach out. Well, I love it. All right. Now, you know, as we wrap this up, are there any last points you want to make or anything you want to talk about still that, or something I didn't ask, you think we still need to cover? I think it actually went really well. There was certainly a lot of things I enjoyed talking about. Wonderful. I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much, Lev. I, I genuinely do appreciate you coming on today. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. And for everybody else, I'm going to remind you all, don't be just a gamer be a gamerpreneur. <laughs>